Good morning. I wanted to share of this moment I had this week where the Holy Spirit just showed up and intervened. Um, and it's Kelly and Skip. I love you guys. And so this week, Tuesday, if you know me, I'm a texter. I'm easy through text because I'm usually busy, right? I mean, we're busy. We all have our busy lives. So Skip and I communicate a few times over the last couple months. You know, he'll call me in the evening and say, hey, I had this idea about this, or hey, I was thinking about this, or hey, what do you think about this? So I'm used to these calls from Skip. So Tuesday night, BB and I are out, and we're running errands, and I'm at CVS, and I'm frustrated with them because they did some auto-ship your pill program, and they only wanted to give me eight antacid pills, and I'm like, the pill bottle said eight, and I'm like, how could you only give me eight? Anyways, long story, it was really funny. So while I'm there and I'm frustrated and I'm walking around and, and I'm tired, it's Tuesday, it's late in the evening and we had more places to go after that and we're just, we believe in getting stuff done on the weeknights after work so that when the weekends come we can really kind of not do things. We grocery shop during the weeknights after work days, like we want the weekend for us. So we're out doing these things and, and, and I feel my phone buzz in my pocket after I've already been frustrated at the counter and, and I look down and it's, I've got a missed call and a voicemail from Skip. And it's 7.30, and I, these typical conversations are about worship music or something, right? And so, so I'm typing this elaborate text, and I'm like, hey, buddy, hope all's going well. I just got your call. Um, I'm out right now. We're running errands. I got a couple more places to go. I'll, I'll, I'll just call. Can I call you tomorrow morning in the a.m.? Is that okay? 100% of the time, I would have pressed sin. But something said to me, the Holy Spirit, for those of you who don't know him, something said to me, don't press send. Why don't you listen to his voicemail first before you send this message? So I'm like, so I deleting my text and, you know, iPhone, you have to hold the back button and it's taking forever or else it stays there. So I delete all this text out of there and then I, I listen to the voicemail and skips on the phone and he's frantic and he's concerned, and he's worried, and he's telling me about what's going on with Kelly. And my heart dropped in my stomach because I knew that the Holy Spirit had intervened me to not send that text. And I prayed right there. I walked up to BB, and I'm like, we've got to pray for Kelly right now. So we again prayed for Kelly right there in the middle of the aisle at CVS. And then, and then I, we, I was like, I got out of the store as quick as I could. I called Skip. We talked for a second. He said he'd keep us up to date. And we know that Kelly turned out to be okay. And so praise God. So it was like that was that Holy Spirit intervention right there for me at CVS. And I was like, I love when things like that happen in our lives. Right? When God shows up at just the right time to tug on our heart. And so, you know, I just, I just thought I'd share that with you guys. That was something really neat that happened this week. So today we are doing our annual business meeting. So I am not going to spend 15 minutes here in a long dialogue to build you up into today's message. I'm going to work you through today's message. I'm going to read the scripture. We're going to go through our notes, and then we'll go into our annual business meeting so that way, you know, you're not here till 1230, because I know you all want to go to lunch. Then I have to feed you. Okay, so we have been reading in Abraham, and now he goes into dialogue. So we've been reading from Abraham, and we know that last week we finished that Abraham, or not last week, the week before, we know that Abraham pleaded with God about Sodom and Gomorrah. 
And remember, he kept bargaining. Well, if there's 50 righteous, okay, don't be mad at me, God. How about if there's 40 righteous? Okay, don't be mad at me, God. Right? He just kept kind of going down the list, right? And so we, 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 know, we already know the end result of this story, but we're going to go through some things today, and we're going to point out uh, some notes that I pulled from the text. So it's a long scripture text here. Some of it, most of it is in your bulletin, but I had to cut it off at some point because I had to fit it all in there. So you'll follow along, you'll see, I'll keep going, and you'll be like, hey, what's he reading? I'm just warning you, I'm going to keep going. So the confirmation part three, Sodom and Gomorrah, Genesis 19, 1 through 38. Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. So you remember when Abraham was with God, and they were all talking, that the two angels went on, and God remained behind to talk to Abraham. So now you're right playing right in the story. Here's these two angels, are now arriving at Sodom and Gomorrah. So when Lot saw them, he rose to meet them. Now there was something interesting there. It said Lot was sitting at the gate of Sodom. I read some stuff that it said that at the gates of cities like that, that they didn't have like a fortitude of like walls and all that. And the gate was like a place where it was a meeting place and a place of prayer. And, and just it was, there were some different texts there when you look back at the histories of going back that far. So I was, it was interesting that they found that they say Lot was sitting at the gate. So Lot was sitting at the gate. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them. And he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. What a good gentleman. And he said, "Now, here now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise up early and go on your way. And they said, no. But we will spend the night in the open square. But he insisted strongly. So they turned into him and entered into his house. Then he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Now, I'll stop you right there. You remember the story with Abraham? It would be a year earlier, okay? A year earlier when Abraham was uh, there and the three, or the people came, and he, he fed them. They created this big feast, and he stood up. And remember we talked about that Boudin hospitality? Here's that same hospitality coming from Lot, where he brings the guests in, wash the feet, he feeds them, he treats them like guests, so I'm guaranteeing that in this, in this instant, he's probably standing while they're eating. Now, before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. Now, this would be a frightening experience, yes? This would be, you don't know what's going on, right? These guys are outside. Now, Lot does. It says, and they called to Lot and said to him, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we may know them carnally. So Lot went out to them through the doorway. So he comes out of the house. He shuts the door behind him. Okay? Shuts the door behind him and said, Please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. See, now I have two daughters who have not known a man. I find this interesting right there, and I'll tell you why in a couple verses. I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please let me bring them out to you, and you may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men. Since this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. So I think Lot knows that these guys are here for a big specific purpose. And here's these men coming to pull these guys out. And Lot knows there's something special about these gentlemen, right? Lot knows that they're there probably on an assignment, right? Lot can feel that something's going on. So he's saying, please leave these guys alone. They're here because of you. 
They're here for this. So it says, uh, uh, and they said, stand back. Now they're going to talk about Lot. This one came in to stay here, and he keeps acting as a judge. Because remember, he moved there many years ago when he left, uh, when he, him, and Lot, him and Abraham split up. So he says, he came in here to stay w- uh, here, and he keeps acting as a judge. Now we, we will deal worse with you than with them. So they pressed hard against the man Lot and came near to break down the door. But the men reached out their hands and pulled Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they became weary trying to find the door. I found in some notes and some, uh, uh, some, uh, 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 some other dialogues that said that this was likely the same blindness that came over Paul on the road to Damascus. So it was like blind, like that's it. So there's, so there's something happening here. Then, uh, then the men said to Lot, have you anyone else here, son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, and whomever you have in the city? Take them out of this place. For we will destroy this place, because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his son-in-laws, who had married his daughters. Now right there is where I said I wanted to point out something strange. I found it funny, I found it odd that a couple verses earlier, that it said, take my daughters, they've never been known a man. But these daughters are married, and in a city of sin, a city of sexual sin, so I just found that really odd in the text. It's just something where I'm like, that was odd. I'm going to try to dig into something on that later and find out, maybe try to see somebody, you know, listen to one of these uh, better dialogues where I can get into that. Because I'm like, I found that really strange that it said they were married, but they hadn't been with these guys they're married to, and that would have been the consummation of marriage. And this was a town of sexual sin. So it was really strange. It says, but to his son-in-law's, He said, get up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But to his son-in-laws, he seemed to be joking. I would look at it more, they probably thought he was crazy. When the morning dawned, the the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while he lingered, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hands, and the hands of his two daughters. So they're all not in a hurry to leave. He took uh, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. So it came to pass when they brought them outside that he said, Escape for your life. Do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. Then Lot said to them, Please, no, my lords. Indeed, now your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have increased your mercy, which you have shown me by saving my life. But I cannot escape to the mountains, because there's lions, tigers, and bears. Right? I can't go to the mountains, lest some evil overtake me and I die. It's true. That's what I read in a, in a, in a, uh, in one of my notes here. I was reading and said that most likely the lions were the mountains were filled with lions, and and animals. Like they couldn't go live in the mountains, right? They had no protection. So he says, "See now, this is a city near enough to flee, and it is a little one. Please let me escape there." Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said to him, See, I have favored you concerning this also, that I will, this thing also, in that I will not overthrow this city for which you have spoken. Hurry, escape there. Go, get, hurry up, get over there. This all has to happen now. You got to go. For I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zor. 
The sun had risen upon the earth when Lot entered Zor. Then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. So he overthrew those, he overthrew those cities, all the plain, all the inhabitants of the city, and what grew on the ground. Remember, this was that luscious place that Lot had seen. Wiped out. Burned to nothing. But his wife looked back behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. Let's stop right there real quick. Now, some of us here are married, have significant others. Okay? You're leaving the city of Yuba City. And these angels have just blinded the weird people by the 99 cent store to leave you alone. You are running out of the land. Your wife is with you. She turns around and turns into a pillar of salt. This would freak me out. This would freak me out. This is the person that you've spent your whole life with. This would freak me out, right? He's got daughters that are now married. That's how long he spent his life with this person. She turns into a pillar of salt right there. There's not much more that even talks about her after that. It's like, it, it, it just, it's one of those things where I'm like, man, I really got to dig into what's going on there. I have some notes, though. So it says, and Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. Then he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain. And he saw, and behold, the smoke of the lamb which went up like the smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass, when God destroyed the cities of the plain, that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow, when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had dwelt. Then Lot went up out of Zor and dwelt in the mountains. So he still ends up in the mountains, right? Lions, tigers, and bears, he still goes up there. Him and his two daughters were with him, for he was afraid to dwell in Zor. I wonder why. This was an evil city, the same. You just left Sodom. That place got burned down. You're a curse, probably felt threatened, like, he probably felt like the people probably felt he was a threat to them, right? So uh, he felt, he didn't feel, he felt afraid for his life there. So it says, he and his daughters, two daughters dwelt in a cave. Now the firstborn said to the younger, we all know this story, our father is old and there is no man on earth to come into us, as is the custom of all the earth. Although they were married and their husbands hadn't done it, I don't understand, still. Uh, but it says, uh, come, let us make our father drink wine and we will lie with him that we may preserve the lineage of our father. So they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father, and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. It happened on the next day that the firstborn said to the younger, Indeed, I lay with our father last night. Let us make him drink wine tonight also, and you go in and lie with him, that we may preserve the lineage of our father. Then they made their father drink wine that night also, and the younger arose and lay with the daughters of Lot, were with, uh, and, the, and they rose and lay with the... And lay with him, and he did not know when she lay down or when she rose. I'm sorry, guys, my print is so small. I'm like, I need glasses. Normally, I have this in bigger print. I emailed this to myself late last night, and I normally always check it on my tablet to make sure it's big enough to read. And then I got here this morning, I'm like, oh, no. It says, and the younger arose and lay with him, and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. Thus, both daughters of Lot were with child by their father. The firstborn son, firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab. He is the father of the Moabites to this day. And the younger, she also called him, uh, bore a son, and called his name Ben-Ami. He is the father of the people of, the, of Ammon to this day. Now, there's more to do with those two tribes later. We'll get to those points. And they don't turn out to be the best of people. 
So let's look into some of these notes. As you see, we covered a lot of scripture today. But I believe that we need to be reading from the word of God. Chris doesn't want to come up here and speak 30 minutes of what Chris thinks. I'll give you my thoughts. My notes are my thoughts. It's what I take out of it. You know, I heard, a, I, I remember a, a preacher one time said, you want to know what's going on in the life of a preacher? Listen to everything he says up there because he's talking about himself. Every conviction he ever shares is something he was convicted of. That's why he's sharing it. It's the truth. So I always tell you, my notes come from what I get out of this stuff. You know, I want you to go home and dive into this stuff, read it. You might find something different. That's okay. This is the living word of God. It is living, it is powerful, it is alive, and every time I read it, it says something different to me. So I encourage you to go home and open your Bibles between Monday and Saturdays, and not only on Sunday morning. Now, let's look at the first thing that happened here in the story. We know that what happened after last time we talked, Abraham requested God, don't blow this place up for some righteous people, and he begged him, he pleaded, he bargained, he bargained, he bargained. Well, God granted the petition of Abraham's heart. He did not grant his specific request. Isn't that something that sometimes God does in our life? We have a prayer, we want something to happen, and God kind of is like, okay, I'm going to grant the petition of your heart, but not that specific request. So that's what happened in this story. It says, uh, I also wrote here, he did grant his heart's request. So he didn't grant the specific request, which was to save the places, but God did spare the righteous. Because the only people righteous in Sodom was Lot. So that's when he's sitting there pleading with God like, hey, if there's 50 righteous people, would you, would you not destroy the place? For 50, I won't do it. Don't be mad at me. How about 40? All right? For 40, I won't do it. Oh, I'm going to go there, God. How about 30? Will you not do it? For 30, I won't do it. Got all the way down. He just kept going all the way down. But you know what God knew? God knew that there was only one righteous person, and he wasn't even so righteous. But it was Lot. And he knew that Abraham loved Lot. Abraham specifically petitioned that God would not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. These are my notes. Over the sake of a few righteous the reality was that the few righteous he was petitioning for was Lot and his family. Right? That's who we pray for. We're like, oh, I'm praying for Ukraine. Yes, you're praying for Ukraine, but if you had family in Ukraine, you'd be praying for your family in Ukraine. See what I'm saying? I've got customers. I have a customer uh, there in Roseville, and these guys are Ukrainian. I go to the store, and they got the Ukrainian flag up. They got all this stuff going on, and I went in, and I sat down and talked with my customer uh, a week or two ago. And we were talking, he was like, yeah, all my family's out of the country. They're over here, they're over there. The only person that was there is actually the woman he just married. And he's trying to work on getting her to be here with him. And some certain amount of time has to process before she can come here. Because he had went back in November and married her. So I already knew all that. And then with all this stuff going on in Ukraine, it was like, I sat down and talked to him about all this. And he was giving me inside scoop to what's really going on in Ukraine, right? So it was like really interesting to talk to somebody who has people with feet on the ground over there, right? And that's what we have our church over there. We have members of Foursquare Church. And remember last week we talked about Foursquare. We have Foursquare Churches, boots on the ground in Ukraine. And they're not fleeing right now. So, the reality was that the few righteous he was petitioning for was Lot and his family. This is how it is for us humans. Abraham, a human, wanted to halt God's judgment. God, please don't do this. Despite the outcry of the victims, 
Despite what's going on, I don't want you to do that because I love this person. This is horrible. This is a horrible situation. But I would like to see you not do what you're going to do because I love this small group of people right here. That's our human nature, right? It's a natural instinct of human nature. So second thing I'd pulled from that story was that Lot offered that same hospitality as Abraham. We just talked about that, that Boudin hospitality. Feed the guests, stand up, treat them well. So I also wrote here, he tries to protect the guests. Something else in my notes was, so remember, when they came to the door, he's like, no, no, no. Take my daughters. They've never been with anybody. That's crazy. We're not going to say weird and foursquare, right, Will? But I'm going to say that's crazy. Take my daughters. That's crazy. But what that tells us is that's how bad it was there. That he knew that if he didn't give up his daughters, it could have gotten worse. That's how bad Sodom and Gomorrah was. That he knew if he didn't let them go, these guys probably would have came in and killed everybody. He would fear. So there was something else I grabbed in my notes that I read uh, from, oh, Swindoll. I was reading something from Swindoll on this. He wrote a note and said he was willing to risk the lives of himself and his loved ones. He wrote that it most likely that if they had said no to the daughters, that he would have offered himself then to the men before he was going to let the people, before he was going to let the men outside have the guests. But I don't like the way he passed the buck, like, take my daughters. He didn't say, take me first and take the daughters, you know. So what else did I pull from this story? I pulled out that Lot was tied to his possessions. This is why Lot could not leave. When he got up the next day and they said, hurry up and get out of here, he couldn't. You look at my gym over there. Got my pool. I got my wife. We've got our friends. We've got our neighbors. Our trucks are in the driveway. I can't let this stuff go. Lot was tied to his possessions. He struggled with letting go. He struggled with leaving. He wanted more security than the mountains, right? Lions, tigers, and bears. He pleaded to go to the nearby city. I think that nearby city was also going to be destroyed, but he pleaded to go there, and and God granted the the petition, right? Go ahead, go there. And that little city was spared because Lot begged to go there, right? That little city was spared because he said, I'll spare that city. So by saying, I'll spare that city, meant that city was going to be blown down too. And remember I said he left there for fear of his life because even though his going there spared that city, the people who lived there probably felt he was coming with a curse, You just left that place, and that place just got leveled. You got to go, okay? So I thought I just pulled that from our notes today. Now, the next one I got, this is where it gets good. We can't have affections for our past and sins and follow Jesus. You know, you can't serve two masters. Repentance does not include looking back. That's what Lot's wife did. You've been spared from the destruction here of your sins. But the sin is, there's an affection for the sin. That's why she turned around and looked back. And we can't have that affection for the things that God saves us from. That's, repentance is not, does not look, it does not include looking back. There's another proverb, keep your hand to the plow. A dog returns to its vomit. How about Lot's wife turned around and turned into a pillar of salt? Repentance does not include looking back. We can't have affections for our past sins and follow Jesus. I like that. 
Fifth thing I pulled from our notes here, we're going to look at Lot's daughters. Lot's daughters were under the curse of Sodom and Gomorrah. What curse? Well, their fear led to incest rather than prayer. There were men in Zor. These were young women, I would imagine, to a certain point. They'd recently been married. They'd recently been married. They hadn't even consummated their marriage. Yet they thought, we're done. We're never going to have anybody. All the men that we would, they're done. There's nothing left. And they committed an atrocious act. Let's get our father drunk. That's the only way we're going to carry on. Where's the faith in that? You and your family just got carried out of a city by hand by two angels, and the whole place got leveled to the ground. But you're afraid that your lineage isn't going to go on, and they did what they did. They were under the curse of Sodom. So I got some good notes in here for that. As parents, okay, for young parents, we're going to have grandchildren, okay? If you haven't had kids yet, this is good stuff. Our decisions as parents affects our children and can cause devastating repercussions, okay? If you take your kids to live in Sodom and Gomorrah and you live the ways of Sodom and Gomorrah, your kids are going to be under the curse of Sodom and Gomorrah whether you get rescued out of there or not, okay? Even if we choose to follow the Lord later in life, Take me by the hand, rescue me from this. We can see from this story that the ways of the children were already set. Because look at their mindset when they got into the mountains. Oh, Sodom and Gomorrah, our, our home, everything we know is gone. We went to that other place, Zor, there were some good looking guys there, gone. Now we're in the mountains with the lions, tigers, and bears, and this old guy. This is it, this is our end, we're going to die up here. The only way we're going to carry on is by this horrible act. Where do you think they learned this kind of behavior? Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay? So if you're going to have kids, don't take them and live in Sodom and Gomorrah. And that's a more than just saying a physical place. This is metaphoric. Like, what's in your home? What do you put on TV? What are you teaching your kids? What are you portraying in their life every day? The daughters could only see that the lamb was devastated, was gone. There was no hope for them. The fear led to their immoral decision. Their husbands had been killed in the immorality because they thought Abraham, uh, Lot was crazy. Oh, these angels are going to destroy this place. This place has been around a thousand years. It's not going anywhere. Right? No. So their husbands had been killed. It leads me to believe that the choices they made said that these girls loved Sodom and Gomorrah. They loved what was lost. They had affections for that. They didn't turn around and look back, but their heart was there. So the decisions that we make, the places that we live, the things that we put into our kids' lives, this is a permanent effect on them. There's a great lesson for young parents or parents to be when thinking about the choices that we will make that impact our children. Those were my notes today. Hey, I finished five minutes before. Good time for the annual business meeting. Not too bad. Um, I, you know, I just said, hey, I want to get through this. I wanted to get through this story in Abraham because next week, dun, 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 the promised son is coming. Woo! I'm excited. So uh, anyways, with that, I'm going to close with prayer. Again, I don't want to keep everybody here. Are we doing the business meeting for those online at home? Yeah, no, I didn't think so. So um, let's just pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you give us the opportunity 
to read from your word. I thank you that you give us the opportunity to learn from your word. I thank you that you give us the opportunity to take your word and apply it into our lives. Father, I thank you for everybody here. I thank you for those that were at home online. I thank you for my quickness, Lord, to finish on time. I thank you, thank you, thank you. I thank you for this church family. We're going to continue to show up here in the natural and let you do the supernatural, Lord. And I see new faces. I see new things happening. I see growth. And it's going to start out like a mustard seed. And we all know what it's going to grow into. So we're going to keep showing up every Sunday. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.